Hello, church. Hello. Um, greetings to all of us here who are in Williton um, and sending love to all of us who are in city campus and also joining us on the online campus. I love this church so much. Um, I'll tell you one reason why. On Friday night when I was here at Revival Night, I was sitting in the first row. Well, I was actually kneeling on the ground at, at that point in time. And there was this moment where we were worshiping God and I had a closed eye vision. And I saw a vision and I felt it even in, around my body. I felt a, 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 a wind, a strong wind pushing through from behind me all the way to the front of the stage and then it lifted up towards the heavens. And that for me was the praise of the church. That for me was the sound and the breath of the worship of this church being pushed forward like mighty wind, lifting itself up to heaven. And in that moment, I felt the heart of the Father rejoicing because His church is giving Him glory and worship. That's the kind of church that we are growing into. And that's the kind of church that we hope to continue to embody. Love this church so much. And today we're going to talk about one of the things that make this church FCC. Today's sermon is titled, The Missional Link. The missional link. Uh, we're going to be talking about four different core convictions about FCC, Faith Community Church. Last week, we talked about one. This week, we're going to talk about another one. And the core conviction for this week goes like this. Discipleship cannot be delinked, delinked from evangelism and missions. In this wonderful book, our senior pastor, Pastor Benny, he wrote about the dangers of discipleship without evangelism and missions. And he said this, one of the biggest dangers disciple-making churches face is becoming inward-looking. It is so easy to get caught up in learning more, going deeper, growing bigger, that we don't intentionally reach out to the lost. And this is especially so because in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, the great commission that Jesus gives us, the Bible says this, Then Jesus came to them, His disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The late American pastor, a great man of God, Dallas Willard, he wrote a book and he said this in his book, the last command, which is a great commission, the last command that Jesus gave the church before he ascended to heaven was the great commission. The call for Christians to make disciples of all nations. But Christians have responded by making Christians and not making disciples. I think there's something for us to think about. Disciples are people who go out to make disciples. When Jesus said, gave the great commission to His disciples, He said, go and make disciples of all nations. So while we are growing ourselves as disciples, while we're on this journey of discipleship, we're growing by filling it up with equipped courses, we're growing by filling it up with connect groups. We're growing it by coming to church regularly every Sunday, enjoying the service, worshiping God. We're growing by, by a meeting throughout the week with our friends and our, uh, even on text, we'll be sending passages to one another. We are growing in our discipleship. But there's this part of discipleship that we must not neglect. And that is evangelism and missions. 
Pastor Benny says this in his book. He says, discipleship and evangelism and missions are two sides of the same door, two sides of the same coin, two sides of the same thing. Because in our discipleship journey, in our discipleship journey, we won't be able to go far if we are not willing at some point of time go into missions and evangelism. There will be some point of time where if you're not willing to take this with you, you're not going to be able to move. You're not going to be able to carry on your discipleship journey. There will come a point of time that if you are not willing to go into evangelism and missions, you will not be able to proceed and carry on with your discipleship journey. You're gonna get stuck in your discipleship journey if we don't grow and go into evangelism and missions. Where's Senny? Thank you, Senny. Yes, Senny, please help me. I, I can't move this thing anymore. Hopefully by the end of today, we'll all be able to move this like... <laughs> Senny! <laughs> evangelism and missions right there. As Pastor Benny says uh, in his book, once again, we cannot be a disciple-making church and not be missional. We cannot follow Jesus and not have a heart for the lost. If we follow the Master, we must end up embracing His mission. If we abide in the King, we must end up advancing His kingdom. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And we're gonna unpack that a little bit. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, would you download your heart into ours? We know that there are many ways that we kind of get stuck in the rut, that we're growing ourselves, we're making ourselves and making other people great Christians, but we're not making ourselves into great disciples as the Great Commission calls us to. So today, God, as we humble and submit and surrender ourselves at your feet to hear from you humbly, to unpack what you are saying in your word, would you come and speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit? Do the work that only you can do. Show us the vision of what it means to live and carry the heart of the Father everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So today we're going to read the passage for the sermon, 10, Luke 10, verse 1 to 4. The book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. It says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him to every town and place where He was about to go. He told them, this, that is the disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bags or sandals or, and do not greet anyone on the road. Jesus was sending His disciples on evangelism and missions. Jesus had three and a half years with His disciples and He wanted to grow them as disciples into fuller and better disciples. So here in this moment, Jesus is sending His disciples on evangelism and missions because He knows it is a key part of their discipleship. So how, let's explore this question to get today together. How is discipleship linked with evangelism and missions? How is discipleship linked with evangelism and missions? And I've got good news for you. I've only got two points. Only two points. So we're going to get into this very quickly. Number one, evangelism and missions is discipleship with urgency. With urgency. 
It is the sense that I have no time to waste. Everyone say, I have no time to waste. In Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus' analogy actually highlights the urgency of the mission. You see, what happened is, during Jesus' time, when it's time for harvest, when the crops are ripe, the farmers will go out into the harvest field to harvest the crops. But they usually only have a few weeks, sometimes even a few days, before the crops become overripe and are no good anymore. So they have limited time. So what they do is, during those seasons of harvest, they will send out the note to everyone and call different people into their harvest field. Would you come and work for me? Would you come and work for me? Would you come and do this for me the next couple of days? And then he will try to collect all the crops and all the harvest. It's a little bit like during Christmas season when all the big stores like Myers will, will have a lot of workers coming in, a lot of casual workers coming into the stores because it was an unusual season of sales. And it's the same thing. So why do they do so? Why do farmers ask workers into the harvest field? It's because they know that time is short. So when Jesus uses this analogy to talk about the mission of God, when He wants to save and seek the lost, Jesus is also saying time is short. And what is the one thing that Jesus asks us to do, knowing that the time is short? He says, ask, ask. In other words, pray. God wants us to respond to the urgency with prayer. And that's the first point. God wants, to, God wants us to respond to the urgency with prayer. I want to take a moment just to unpack this a little bit. I want to say this for us, in this season especially. It's not how we pray that matters. It's not how we pray. Sometimes we think we must use the right words pray the right length, must pray at the right decibel, we must pray with the right people, must pray in the right atmosphere, then those prayers will be heard by God or will matter. It is not how we pray that matters. The, Jesus is saying it is who we pray to that matters. What did Jesus say? He says, ask the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. So what do we do? We ask. Who do we ask? The Lord of the harvest. Why? Because the Lord of the harvest is the Lord of the harvest. I want to say this to us as a church that has been praying and going on this revival series and revival nights for some time. I want to make it clear for us that no amount of human effort is going to make revival happen. No amount of us showing up on Friday night singing our lungs out is going to make revival happen. No amount of prophetic preaching on Sunday at, at, in the pulpit to the church is going to make revival happen. It is the Lord of the harvest that makes revival happen. It is the God of revival that makes revival happen. That's why we as a church are entering into a season where we are seeking God in prayer for revival. Not because it is us, but because it is Him. The 19th century American missionary, Arthur Tappan Pearson, he said this, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. So church, this is what we have been doing. 
for the last four Friday nights, for the last couple of weeks. And I've got good news for you. This is what we're going to do again this coming Friday night. So this Friday night, we're going to gather again. It could, be well, it could well be the last one. So make sure you set time. This coming Friday night, on the 14th of October, we're going to gather here again at 7.30 p.m. to once again come as a church to seek the Lord of the harvest for His harvest. That's what we're going to do today. Are you in on this? How many of you are going to be here? Praise the Lord. And I'll see you all here. I, I remember all your faces, the ones who raised their hands. Actually, we got camera, we got camera, we got camera all over. We will review the footage. So this is what we're doing. We're responding as a church. We're responding to the urgency with prayer. And I want to show you another part that talks about urgency. In verse 4, Jesus says this, Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Now certainly, Jesus is not telling us, eh, please, don't bring your LV back for missions. Don't bring your Amis back for missions. He's not saying that. He's not saying, hey, please, don't wear your Nike sandals when you go for missions because they might get lost. He's not saying all those things. And almost certainly, Jesus is not saying and telling us to become antisocial when He says don't greet anyone on the road, right? Some of us, this, this is not a biblical mandate for all of us to turn into introverts now. Now, when you go out, <laughs> when you go out of the auditorium and someone comes up to you and say, hi, how are you? I'm not supposed to talk to you. 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 All the welcome team, you know, they'll be standing outside the auditorium and they'll be wearing love in action, but they'll be like, oh, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> this is not a mandate for us to all of a sudden become antisocial. So all the uh, extroverts breathe easy. <sighs> okay. Actually, what Jesus says, literally in the Greek, He's saying, carry no purse. No bag, no sandals, greet no one on the, on the way. Jesus emphasizes the word no because He wants us to have no distractions, whether it be people or whether it be possessions, when it comes to evangelism and missions. I'll tell you a story. Um, right now in my house, over the last couple of months, Almost every week, we've had Connect Group come to my house on Wednesday night. Um, and we have a very good time unpacking the Word of God, worshipping, getting to know one another. And during the refreshments after Connect Group is where all the food comes out and people start serving and then people start eating and talking and they're chatting and they're having a good, relaxed time of fellowship. Um, and I would, I, I'll be honest with you, as your pastor, I'll be completely transparent. Um, I am a person who sometimes gets stuck, still gets stuck, in my possessions. So there will be times where someone uh, would, be, would have made a cup of hot coffee or hot tea, and then uh, they would drink, and then they're talking to somebody, and they casually put it on the table. And in my mind, I'm not saying, is the, I'm, not, I'm not thinking, is that person's cup, you know, um, uh, finished, and I need to top it up. The first thought that comes into my brain is, is that cup gonna leave a mark on my table? There'll be times where they'll be serving on plates, stone plates, and they will be moving plates, serving one another. They fill the cake, and then they'll move the plate along the table, the, the kitchen island bench. And my thought doesn't go like, is this person going to enjoy the cake? My brain goes like, is this, did we just leave a scratch on my table? There'll be times where people sit on my um, dining chair at the dining table, and they'll be eating their dinner, right? And they'll be eating and eating. And my thought is not, are they having a good time eating? My thought is, did they spill anything on my dining chair and, and left a stain? 
That's me. Uh, I'm still very much work in progress. And I sometimes get caught up in my possessions. But, I, but in this passage, Jesus is saying that God wants us to have no distractions, not by our possessions, not by our people. Because brothers and sisters, God wants us to be loose-handed towards our possession so that we can be laser-focused towards God's mission. He wants us to be loose-handed with what He has given to us so that we can be laser-focused on His mission. Don't let our possessions become a distraction from fulfilling God's mission. His gift to us in our house, our nice tables, our nice chairs, our money, anything that we have is meant to be a tool and an instrument to fulfill His mission and not for us to turn it into a distraction. So that's one thing I want to say about it. Why, do we, why is that important? Because once again, the task of evangelism and missions is an urgent one. So turn to your neighbour, give them a big smile and say, we have no time to waste. Beautiful, beautiful. Finish the first point. Now we're on to the second point. The second point is this. Evangelism and missions is discipleship with agency. Agency. Urgency and now with agency. What does agency mean? It means that I have a part to play. It means that in this mission, I am not just an outsider watching and just praying and asking God to do His work. I have a mission to fulfill as well. You know, I grew up in a generation where many people watch movies and they love movies about secret agents. You know, some of you know that? How many of you know James Bond? Now, all the mature ones know James Bond, right? 007. And the music goes... So the older ones know this. The younger ones like me, well, they don't really watch it. So in my generation, we watch... Why are you all laughing? Oh man, you repent. <laughs> In my generation, we watch Mission Impossible, right? Tom Cruise, right? And if you are in that generation where you don't know James Bond, you don't know Mission Impossible, you may know this one, okay? It's called Perry the Platypus. Okay, it's a, it's, a, it's a secret agent in a children's cartoon in Disney. The children's cartoon is called Phineas and Ferb, all right? So as with all secret agent movies or shows, they have, a, uh, they have a, uh, uh, an iconic music. So Perry the Platypus goes like, um, Perry, Perry the Platypus, Agent P. <laughs> Every generation loves secret agents. What are agents called to do? What is the role of agents? Agents is basically someone who's appointed by a higher authority and sent to fulfill a mission. Appointed by a higher authority and sent to fulfill a mission. In Luke 10 verse 1, it says this, After this, the Lord Jesus, He appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him to every town and place where He was about to go. Jesus sent His disciples, He appointed them and He sent them a mission. In the same way, Jesus has appointed us and sent us to fulfill His mission. And unlike secret agents where it's like one solo character, one lonesome ranger, one superhero being, um, it's not you or me who's going to fulfill it. It's you and me, you and I who are going to fulfill the mission together. You see, Jesus didn't send them one by one. He sent them two by two. He sent them in pairs to fulfill His mission. 
because He knows that it's important that we do this together. No one person can fulfill the mission of God by themselves. We do this together in your connect group, with your friends, and with the church. It takes a teamwork, it takes teamwork to make the dream work when it comes to fulfilling mission of God. So tell the person next to you right now, we have a part to play. And turn back to the other person and say, we are God's agents. And depending on your generation, cue whatever classical music. Dong, 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 dong. Perry, Perry the platypus. Um, if we are God's agent, then what is our mission? What is our mission? The Bible says in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 19, we read this just now, but we'll read it again. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's why Faith Community Church, our church is an intentional disciple-making church because we are living out the mission of Jesus as a church and helping every single one of us to live out God's mission in our lives, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. That is our mission. And here's something else that I find amazing. Even though God can fulfill His mission without us, he won't do it without us. Even though God can fulfill His mission without us, but He wouldn't do it without us. How do I know that? Look at what Jesus says after this. In Luke 10, verse 2 to 3, Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful. So many of us memorize this, right? Growing up in church. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send the workers, His workers, into the harvest field. And we, we memorized that sentence and we almost put a full stop in that sentence like that was all that Jesus said. But literally the word that came, that goes after that, that, that verse, Jesus said, go. Many times when we think, oh, the Lord of the harvest. Okay, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. The, Jesus says, ah, so all we're gonna do is just to pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers into his harvest field. But that's not where Jesus ends. Jesus says immediately after, go. There is an active agency, a participation that Jesus is calling us into. Jesus instructs us not just to ask, but to go. Authentic disciples are not just praying people. They are proclaiming people. Authentic disciples are not just people who gather here on a Friday night or a Sunday morning. They are people who go from Mondays to Saturdays. That's why Jesus says, go. There comes a point of time in our discipleship, yours and mine, where what is inside has to flow outside. When, what, when inward devotion must turn into outward action. When intercession must produce profession. And where personal disciplines must lead to public declaration. It's so important that we do evangelism and missions and share the gospel as part of our, our, our discipleship. Brothers and sisters, here's the biblical truth. Going is part of growing. Going is part of growing. When you go, you grow. If you want to grow, you have to go. 
That's what it means. And look at what happened to the disciples that Jesus sent out. The, the ones who obeyed Jesus' command to go. You read a little bit after in the same chapter. In Luke 10, 17, the Bible says this. The 72 returned with joy. How many of us would like to, to serve God and to live with joy? They returned with joy and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow. They were able to see the wonder-working power of the Lord because they went, they go, they did go. And in Luke 10, 23 to 24, look at what Jesus said to them. And then Jesus turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings, they wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you heard, but did not hear it. When you go, you will grow. If you want to grow, then you have to go. When the disciples obeyed Jesus' command to go, they were able to experience God on a whole different level. They were able to see and hear God at work among them. How many of us want to experience God using you for His mission? How many of us want to see and hear God at work in our church? in our connect group, then the answer is that we have to go. We have to go and preach the Word, share Christ with the people around us. If your answer is, yes, that's me, I want to go, then we need, we, I, I want to grow, then we need to get out of our comfort zones in obedience to Jesus' command and go. Can I hear a good amen? amen. And today I would like to introduce you to a lovely couple who are regularly leaving their comfort zones and going on missions for God in a shire of Beverly. Church, would you join me in giving a big, warm FCC welcome to John and Annette Whittingham. John, Annette, how are you guys going? Good, thank you. Fine, thank you. Thanks for taking time to share your testimony and what God is doing and how God is growing you guys as you're going on mission for God. So tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Okay, well, I'm John, uh, my wife Annette. Uh, we've been married for 30 years and over that time we've always had God uh, as the center. And, uh, but also over that time, we've supported people going on missions. Uh, we've contributed our uh, media experience uh, to quite a few different churches. And, uh, but now it's different. But just quickly, we joined a connect group. So a big hello to FCC City Campus, our new family. We joined a connect group. If you do join one, make sure it has a really good chef. <laughs> so we had the best meal on Friday, but a white man, English, using chopsticks, not good. So Pastor well. Dan, would have panicked because I was dropping stuff all over the place. <laughs> Just a joke. Yeah. Uh, I've only got 45 minutes, so I better start. And I better not stop because I won't, yeah, or start because I'll never stop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had no sleep the past two days. Uh, Annette's father was in hospital. And uh, some people who were praying for him, a lot, we didn't think he'd survive. Heart problems, um, kidney, everything really. 90 years old, um, a lot of people praying. He came home last night. Um, wow. Still a way to go, but he's at home. 
and uh, a very God-loving person, so that's kind of by the by. And for the first time in a while, four weeks, he actually slept last night. So that's yeah, good. yeah. So that's good for my mum God as is well. good. God is good. Yeah. God is faithful. So we're here. Um, several years ago, uh, our dear friends Anangan, who some of you know from Singapore, uh, felt drawn to Beverly, uh, a wheat belt town, an hour and a half drive. Uh, we always take longer because we like to stop for coffee. Um, and uh, he, Garn wanted to raise a flag for Jesus Christ in Beverly. And uh, they were trying to get us involved back then. I had a lot of physical stuff going on. But a few months ago, we were invited over. We went and uh, Garn was in a position to actually purchase a church. Who buys a church? And uh, it was built 1895, uh, incredible church. And uh, we went and uh, we felt a calling. And some of you would have felt that calling. Um, I've never heard the voice of God and I've never had a strong calling, but we both felt we want to uh, be part of it. We want to be part of it. And our daughter, Danielle, uh, she is so on fire for Christ, always has been. She's been going to City Campus for over a year, and then she invited us to go to City Campus, and we went. And we didn't know that FCC had been involved in, in Beverly for over two years. Uh, the Christmas Day meals, and like Judy and uh, June are probably here, well, we'll be here somewhere, and Adrian. And uh, so all this work had been happening, so we're not creating anything new, are we? Uh, so we're part of that journey, um, but it is a leap of faith because you go out of your comfort zone. We've always been behind the scenes people, always. And uh, so to be here now, if you took my pulse, you'd fall over. Um, but... Um, he is in AFib continually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we made a commitment to kind of attend every two weeks, which is a big commitment. Uh, every Saturday we drive, Sunday go to church. The church is called Real Life Church. Um, there's only six people attend. There's a population of 1,700. What does that tell you? Um, and in the Anglican Church, which I went, so sometimes we do both services, Anglican and the old Methodist, uh, they had four people. We went to the agricultural show a few weeks ago and uh, there's so much to be thankful for. Uh, the produce and the livestock and then we went to church the next morning, six people. Uh, I don't get up and speak on the altar but I, I think I've done it every time, haven't I? And I said, I can't believe there's only so few people here and there's so much to be, to be thankful for. So there is a dryness in Beverly uh, and uh, we want to try and... Yeah, so we, it's twofold. We go on the Saturday to outreach, meet people. Sunday, church, that take care, it's straightforward. You go to church, we enjoy it, then we come home. On the Saturday, that's when we do our meeting people. And, uh, uh, and that's a leap of faith because you're talking to strangers. Um, but what comes to mind is Matthew 10, 40. Uh, anyone who welcomes me uh, uh, welcomes him also. And anyone who welcomes him uh, welcomes 
the one who sent him. So we've been welcomed by a lot of people, haven't we? A lot of people. And um, you want to say something? Well, just examples of, if you want to point, talk about some examples maybe, just focus, like, where we've been led. <laughs> it's really amazing because the church, there is so few members. And you're talking about an area that was the Bible wheat belt. Bible belt. M- many, oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, for example, it's the local pub. You go and you, there's a restaurant as well. So we thought we'll reach out there. Would you like to tell yeah. a story about okay. Paula? So on the Saturday, there's only one place to eat, and that's in the local pub, which is a Freemasons pub. The restaurant, really, really good food. And we realise we know the chef from 15 years ago um, in where we used to live, well, still live. Uh, all these connections. But a waitress came over, asking why we were there. And, uh, and it's good when you can say we're here, but we're also here to support a local church. And, uh, and I said, uh, well, you'd done a glide that day. Anyone else? If you want to glide, come over to Beverly. Um, and I knew the pilot from Channel 7 uh, 25 years ago. And we were telling Paula, we know Don, and uh, she said one of my friends, uh, her sister's partner who died previously, uh, the year previous, um, Russell Goodrick from Channel 9, uh, we'd worked with him for 15 years. Very, when, very close. When she knew that, she paused, she froze, she cried. A lot of tears, a lot of unresolved grief. She'd have problems, he helped her. And, uh, and we're all crying. And... Um, so a person you meet for the first time and, and you're crying and, and we're hugging and uh, she brought other staff members over and she said, um, you guys were meant to be here. You know, all these things uh, kept happening and, uh, and, and still happen. And one person in the church there, yeah. Peter, a very godly man. Yeah, we, we were driving and we were nearly, nearly in, uh, uh, in Beverly and I'm thinking, I'm too old for this, really. And, uh, and I didn't, and we'd had a few hassles with some of the people. There was only six people, and we had hassles with some of them. And uh, we said, well, we're not a threat. We want to help. We want to support. And uh, I said to Annette, I think we should go back. And, uh, and that's the pressure you feel in missions. Uh, there will be a spiritual battle. And then within a minute, this is true. A rainbow. What was it like? Describe the rainbow. We've all seen a rainbow, right? It's pretty high. This is over the town. Low. Massive. A complete dome over the town. And we were driving into it. And uh, I'm saving these tears for when when Danielle gets married, so I don't want to lose too many. (laughs) But we went to church the next day. The biggest, the warmest welcome really, wasn't it? And it was Peter who said, we need, we need people from outside to come. And a chappy that is known to be very, very pious and very direct and very strong and thinks everyone there is going to hell. He actually used those words (laughs) to to me. Came over and approached us and said, I am sorry. Yeah. We need you. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, kind of winding up, um, 
I think some of you will feel uh, drawn to leave your comfort zone, to think about missions, wherever that might be. Uh, we're going to Beverly every two weeks, and we always have two empty seats on the back. We're very blessed to have a house where we stay. And uh, so we want to try, we'll be outside in the uh, uh, foyer. We want to encourage some of you to come. Come with us on the Saturday. We minister to people in the street. Uh, we have a good time. We might go to the pub in the evening. The pizza's fantastic. There's only two things you have to do. You have to help with the dishwasher on the Sunday morning. And... Um, we take good coffee in. And you, have to, come, you have to come to church. We serve coffee. And I find we're almost doubling the number. So we've taken friends over there. Yeah. So you walk in, you, you literally double. Imagine doubling, you couldn't get in. So we double the numbers. And uh, so keep that in mind. Come, give me a number. Uh, because this is what it's about. And, and our main prep for now is there's going to be a Christmas lunch yeah. there in the town. So yeah. we need lots of prayer. So this will be the third consecutive and June and Adrian uh, will be busy organising and getting people together. So there's going to be a team of about 30 people uh, yeah. on the Christmas day outreaching. So all the flyers have been done and uh, we'll get all that started. And uh, I mean, the aim obviously is not to convert people. Come and you've got to believe in Christ. It's just uh, fellowshipping, loving. relationship building. Loving. And, and loving them. Uh, there's some beautiful people. Uh, but what used to be a Bible belt is, is very, very far from. Yeah. So I think that's about it. Thank you. Thank you. Another big round of God bless you to John and Annette. Praise the Lord. Let me just arrange these a little bit. Yes. So there's a lot happening. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go into missions right now. But nevertheless, there's an opportunity for us to know more about missions. So when you get out there after service today, there will be a missions booth where you can read, you can, read, you can talk more with the volunteers. In City Campus, at the back of the hall, there will be a sign-up sheet. You can talk to our volunteers there as well. For those who are, of us who are online, you can go on to the release tab of FCC.live and find out more about how you can participate with what the church is already doing in missions. But let's get back to this. Brothers and sisters, church, the king is coming back. Remember, we talk about urgency. Remember, we talk about agency. The king is coming back, and he's sending us as his agents to tell the good news. So once again, turn to the neighbor next to you and say, we have a part to play. And before you all start dashing out and making a beeline for the missions booth um, outside, let's continue reading. We got one more verse, just one more verse. Luke 10, verse 3. So Jesus says, go, with an exclamation mark. And then he says this, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Did you catch this? Did you catch this? Jesus is sending us out like lamb chops among hungry wolves. <laughs> He's sending us out like lambs among wolves. In other words, Jesus is saying, anticipate hostility, not hospitality. Anticipate opposition, not cooperation. Anticipate challenges, not comfort. Anticipate people's attitudes and not gratitude. There's a story about a, an evangelist and a missionary 
who were standing in front of a bridge. And they were both holding up signs like this. You're just holding up signs. And the evangelist had a sign that said, the end is near. And the missionary had a sign that says, turn before it's too late. So a man was driving past them with his fancy car. He looked at them. He, he, saw, the, he saw the signs. He read it. And he got so angry at them. So he started blasting his horn and he was raising his voice, verbally abusing them. He showed them his finger and then he floored the pedal and then zoomed right past them. Moments later, the missionary and the evangelist heard a loud sound of screeching tires and a big splash. And then the missionary turned to the evangelist and said, maybe we should change our sign to bridge still under construction. You see, even with all good intentions, we can still anticipate oppositions when it comes to evangelism and missions. Isn't that true? When you go out there and you share the Word of God, it's hard, man. When you try to share Christ in your schools, it's hard. When you try to make a missionary trip, it's really, really hard. Uh, There's lots of things that need to happen. There can be relational opposition, cultural difficulties, political challenges, but most of all, spiritual opposition. No wonder Jesus said, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. But here's a question for us to think about. Why would Jesus tell us to anticipate difficulties? You see, because this this, this sentence, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, could well be the worst pep talk in the history of mission recruitment drives. You're not going to go out there and have a chat with our mission booth volunteers and you ask them, I want to find out more about Cambodia mission trip. Oh man, it's going to be super hot. It's going to be super humid. You're going to be feeding mosquitoes. You're going to be lying on uncomfortable beds that are like this thin. You're going to be eating food that you don't like. It's not going to be comfortable. All that is true, but they're not going to say that to you. They're probably going to tell you, like, oh, it's good, God is good. Which is true, also. <laughs> Every good leader knows that in order to inspire people into action, you have to show them a compelling vision. But Jesus is doing the complete opposite here. Why did He do so? I think it's because, two things, among many things, two things. One is Jesus is truthful. He's telling the truth. But the second one I think is more important. More than simply getting us to go... Jesus wants us to get something far more important. And that is this. Your greatest reward in evangelism and missions is not self-actualization. It's not, I'm living out the purpose of God. Yay, hooray me. It's not affirmation. People tell you, well, that was a really good testimony, bro. Oh, that was a really good worship, bro. It's not even salvations of the people that you're sharing Christ with. It's not even revival. All that is great. We praise God if all that happens. But your greatest reward in evangelism and missions is actually God Himself. He is your greatest reward. Genesis 15.1, Pastor Benny mentioned this before. God said this, Do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your very great reward. In the New King James translation, it says, I am your exceedingly great reward. Because when you choose to surrender and go, the Lord of the harvest, the God of the mission, the Holy Spirit Himself will be with you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, when He comes, comes God's presence, comes God's protection, 
comes God's power. You don't have to be afraid when you go and share Christ with your friends in school. You don't have to be fearful when you share Christ with your loved ones. You don't have to be afraid when you go on missions, even in the face of all those difficulties and challenges. Can I hear a good amen? I come back to the Great Commission and I'll close with this. Matthew 28 verse 19 to 20. We memorize this. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And we stop memorizing there. Did you know that's not the end of the Great Commission? Do you know that's not how the book of Matthew actually ends, even though that's the last verse of Matthew? What Jesus actually says, and He completes the Great Commission with is this, and surely I am with you, even to the very end of the age. The promise of Jesus and the Holy Spirit being with you surely, even to the very end of the age, is given in the context of evangelism and missions. When you go, the Spirit of God goes with you. You don't have to be afraid. When you preach the Gospel, the Spirit of God is preaching through you. You don't have to be afraid. If you want the Spirit of God to be with you, you got to go. Surely I am with you, even to the very end of the age. Amen. So let's, let's stand where we are, church. So church, do you want more of God in your life? Do you want to grow in your discipleship? Do you want to be used by God? Today we've learned we have no time to waste and we all have a part to play. I want to pray for us and then I'll give us a chance to respond to what I feel God is telling us today. So let's close our eyes and let's bow in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us in a very personal way. Some of us have had been challenged so greatly. We want to share Christ with people, but we don't know how. It's hard. We want to live different for Jesus, but it is hard. We want to go on missions, but there's so many things that, are, that we have to work through in order to go on missions. It is hard. Spirit of God, would you come and speak to us? Give us the assurance to not be afraid for you are our shield. You are our very great reward. And surely you are with us even to the very end of the age. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.